That is the amazing guitar work of Brady Novotny and the incredible vocals of his wife, Jennifer. We'll hear that song in its entirety later in the show. His new album, Passions Collide, is available, and there's a link to it in Brady's website in the Better Each Day show notes. Brady is what I call a guitar wizard, with influences that are mostly cutting-edge players, but date back to archaeological digs like Seattle's Jimi Hendrix and even The Ventures. Ventures were playing. They they were very popular in Japan for the reason that they didn't have okay. lyrics. Yeah, and uh, nowadays it's probably not that critical because I think internationally English is spoken quite a bit to the point where they can understand song lyrics anyway. And yeah, that's and, true. And especially the wonderfully profound lyrics that we produce in pop music. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can say more without the lyrics and just playing it's instrumental. Sure, right. it's, it's more emotional without the lyrics. <laughs> who, who are your influences? I'm hearing everybody, uh, everybody good. Uh, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I guess early on, uh, what made me want to play guitar was. Um, uh, you know, the Randy Rhodes was one of my biggest influences, and uh, hearing that uh, song "Crazy Train" by Ozzy, you know, that really made me wanted to uh, pick up the guitar and start playing. But even before then, you know, um, I would listen to my I had an older brother, and he would always play, you know, his music, and and um, you know, that was back in the '70s. So it was like, you know, you know, Triumph was really big, and and, and Rush uh, was sort of like a, a prog rock yeah. type stuff going on and uh but triumph and rick emmett you know just from listening to it early on in my my you know you know when i was in grade school you know i mean that was uh that was you know pretty impactful to me and that and that made me start playing guitar and and um, start down actually when i got my first guitar it was a classical guitar so um i actually had to take classical lessons and it was um you know, through Rick, you know, but, you know, because Rick Emmett played a lot of classical music on his albums, uh, classical guitar pieces and stuff. Um, and, uh, even Randy Rhodes with his background, you know, that made, you know, kind of, you know, I kind of followed those, those two paths, you know, rock and classical. That was, those were two of my biggest influences. And then the eighties hit and then, then it was <laughs> the hair metal stuff. So yeah. But yeah, that, that, yeah. Eddie Van Halen but, uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, lots of yeah, tapping and, and yeah, Eddie Van Eddie Van Halen and and Ingvay Malmsteen and all those you know guitar heroes Joe Satriani, Steve Vai. I mean Steve Vai. Uh, you know all those guys were great. <laughs> Did uh, were you ever into Jeff Beck at all? You know, I got into Jeff Beck later on. Um, I, I I um you know I, I heard of him, um, but you know. It, from my generation, yeah. you know, I was I was born a little bit later, so you know I had to go back and listen to all the people that 
who I was inspired by, who they listened to, and then I, you know I, I kind of discovered Jeff Beck that way. Oh wow, um, that's so and, interesting. And, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm what you'd call an older guy. And, uh, yeah, Jeff Beck oh, was, <laughs> was uh, he came up with Clapton and Jimmy Page through the via the Yardbirds was a band that, and they yeah. did, the Yardbirds did a little bit of commercial stuff. And that's why Clapton left, because he wanted to be a bluesman and entered mm. Jimmy, Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck. And, and the Yardbirds didn't last real long, but those guys went on to change the orbit of the planet pretty much. Right, right. But yeah, it's yeah, entertaining yeah, to, yeah. to hear your angle on because yeah, you had to find out who the the grandpas of the guys you were listening to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you go back and you can hear all of their you know their styles in it and everything. It was it was really cool to hear, you know, because I would listen to Steve Vai and stuff like that, and, and uh, you go back and hear Jeff Beck and you're like, oh, that's where he got it from, you know. So it, it was kind of neat to explore that going backwards yeah and know, so. where jeff beck got it from it was before it was yeah. plugged into an amplifier pretty much they got a little bit of right. electric stuff but not much it was the stuff they could get off the boats you know just stuff that was coming in from mm -hmm. america and they turned it into their own little spin and and yeah. so, so do you i you know uh, they always say you can hand your guitar to somebody else and it's going to sound differently because everybody kind of their hands do different things so uh, right. yeah, you've got your own your own deal. It's uh, fascinating, and oh, thank you. And it's articulated. You. It's not just uh, we'll see how many notes I can play. You know, right? Yeah, I wanted to try to avoid that. Um, yeah, that's always a temptation as a guitar player to um, you know just kind of go into all your chops that you know and it learn feels all good. the years. Yeah, you know, but um, I. I uh, I really wanted to sh showcase melody lines and, and um, you know, the emotion. What's the best concert you've ever gone to? Well, I would have to say, you know, recently, probably about two years ago, um, I went to, um, it, was a, it was like a small camp for guitar players. And it was a very intimate setting for a week long. And it was called, this thing called the, the G4. And... Uh, what it was was these all these guitar heroes came in and you got to spend a week with them um and they did all these like private concerts and there's only like a hundred of us so we you know it'd be like in a hotel ballroom and so i got to see you know uh joe satriani uh steve Vai, and eric johnson literally you know two feet from from me you know at, at a at a very close, you know, intimate setting. Within eye contact. And, and, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just, you know, somebody you grew up with, you know, listening to and to just see them that close. Yeah. And, you know, talk to you through the hall. They even ate, you know, breakfast and dinner with you. I mean, it was kind of cool, you know. I mean, it was just a really great experience. You know, that was probably, you know, recently that was probably the best because it was so intimate. But probably the bigger shows, um, that would, uh, my first, uh, it was a never surrender triumph tour. My brother took me and I was really young and it was my first time I was ever on the floor of a concert. And, uh, that was really impactful. You know, uh, I don't know how old I was, but, uh, um, but that was a, that was a great show because it was like one of my first rock shows and, um, being on the floor of the arena and, uh, you know, triumph was so big and so light and everything that they were just, uh, bigger than life and that was probably really impactful for me so yeah big concerts are cool but 
I'm kind of with you. There's nothing better than having the intimacy of being able to actually talk to the guy that's playing, you know, that it doesn't get yeah, any better. Yeah. Not everybody has an opportunity to do that either. So that's, that's yeah. rare. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a great, um, great thing they put on and, um, you know, it's something I'll, I'll definitely never forget. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think as performers, we always like a large crowd, but as as spectators, we always like the intimacy, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about one of them. What's a fascinating one to talk about? Uh, well, the, the title track is the one that I have up on the uh, my YouTube channel, um, and there's a video out for it. It's called Passions Collide, and it's the you know name of the album, and that's the, the whole uh, premise behind that is is I took all my musical passions and, and, and collided them in this whole, in this whole album. Um, and that mainly being rock and flamenco guitar. So those are two of my biggest um, influences and, and, and passions when it comes to music. So um, the, with passions, I, I, you know, uh, you, know you, can, you can hear segments of the flamenco guitar and there's a conga section, um, but you can definitely hear the rock elements in there. And there's even some, you know, uh, jazz chords and stuff like that for texturing. And, and there's even, you know, some congas in there to give it a, a world flavor. So I, I kind of combined it as much as I could if I had to showcase what I wanted to accomplish in one song um, and what the, the overall record feel would be, would be um, in, in that song.
Who writes the material? Uh, that would be myself. I had somehow there's two two songs with vocals on it, and I had my the drummer. He 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 um, composed the uh, lyrics for them, um, but all the music was written by myself. Can we talk about your gear? How do you get that sustain but yet clarity? I have I play through a a couple of boutique pieces of equipment. Um, you know, I uh, Soldano head, which is. Um, you know, you know, Mike Soldano designed these heads, um, and uh, I think he's—I'm not sure where he's out of, but uh, he used to be out of California. I don't know if he's still there or not. But um, but he's—he's uh, he's pretty uh, pretty famous for the boutique boutique uh, stuff. Um, I also play through a, a Bogner ec- Ecstasy head as well. So um, so those two amps are pretty screaming. Um, I have an old vintage Laney cabinet that all the studio musicians used to use back in the early 80s. So it's a 412 thing, and I just crank that up. And, you know, my guitars, I have um, uh, Tom Anderson Guitar Works. I have, I have one of his guitars as the primary guitar I used on the record. Um, and uh, there's a Strat and a Gibson Les Paul and stuff. But, um, but primarily for all the lead playing was the Tom Anderson. Um, and he just builds phenomenal guitars. Uh, and the sustain, you know, uh, a lot of it um, came from just, you know, cranking the amp in a big room, uh, all, the, all the planets aligned. <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't always happen, you know. Um, so you're just... Now, there are, there are some tricks I do use um, um, as far as getting, you know, instant feedback and stuff like that. Um, you know, there is some, you know, I also use an Evo at times, which is the electronic, uh, you know, bow yeah, how do those work i and, always wanted to get one i've never seen anyone use one. Oh, okay yeah phil Kagi was the one i saw use it and i was hooked um and uh it's just like a magnetic you know thing and it just you laid on the string you know you just hover it over over the string and it just um basically vibrates the string and you have infinite sustain um so it's kind of nice. It's it's uh, it's a really neat invention. They do make them. They do make them for pickups and guitars called Sustainiacs. Um, but you have to kind of you know rewire your guitar and drill more holes in it and stuff. Um, Vi and Satriani use that a lot. But the Evo is the sort of the external version <laughs> of that. And then um, um, I believe it was Digitech. Um, I think two years ago released a pedal. Um, which was a um, a feedback pedal, and it was it was probably the best one I've ever heard. So um, you can dial in the frequency of the feedback uh, on the pedal, and once you step on the pedal, your guitar automatically feeds back, um, and it will hold it for a couple seconds or so. So it's kind of a neat neat little trick especially when recording because you're not guaranteed when you're going to get that feedback to happen um so you have just a little bit more control of it so it's going to like break into an octave or another harmonic above whatever you're playing type of thing when you say feedback yeah it's uh um yeah it's called a freak out pedal and and um they uh it's they designed it where you can like said dial in the frequency that you're looking for and uh, yeah, it can go up to an octave above, um, or whatever the frequency would be for different notes, hmm. um, or even below, which is kind of neat too. So um, yeah, it's a neat pedal to play with. 
I wish it was programmable, but it's not. You just kind of have to, you know, turn the turn the dial on an experiment. Your yeah, and that's about it. You know, well, you, kind of stinks. And if you're playing live, you can't go. You know, it's hard to kneel down and change the frequency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a whole lot, everybody. Yeah. I've got to. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you didn't name off a whole lot of stomp boxes. You're basically overdriving the amp. That's about it. I'm a. I'm, I'm kind of a. Um, you know, I haven't really got into the modeling and all that stuff. Um, I wanted the record to be kind of, as they say, organic and really just, you know, don't use any loops, don't use, you know, any triggers, just uh, really um, go for the raw sound of what the amps provide and what the, the drums and the room and the mics and all that stuff. And um, yeah, I was really happy with going to that approach. You know, because it made it sound, you know, kind of classic. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. I have uh, people from all walks of life at all levels of playing and stuff. And yeah, you're sure, a pretty yeah. you're a pretty technical guy. You know, <laughs> stuff you named uh-huh. off. A lot of people have, have never heard of. I've there are a few things I haven't, and I consider myself <laughs> knowing a bit. But um, I consider myself some of what what of a purist as well. But but yeah, the the sound is cool, and uh, I oh, think thanks, thanks. that that's a lot because I think people uh, you could play just brilliant notes, but if the actual sound isn't there, it just kind of doesn't count as much, you know. You know, I think that's a big thing with with um, you know the, the all the stuff that they come out with now, which is um, you know the the modeling and each, you know I, mean, I saw I saw um, Jeff Tate from Queensrÿche come through the city um, over the summer and his guitar player played through a Mac. Sounded great, you know, um, but there was no amps. It was just, he was playing through a computer. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty silly if you just plug into your telephone and away you go, huh? I know, I know. And, you know, I I just, maybe it's just the the kid in me that's just like, you know, it's something about, you know, those those amps and, and, and the sound. And I don't think a computer's ever really, I mean, it's going to be close, of course, but it's never going to be the, you know, a tube, you know, 100-watt head. I mean, you're just not going to get that. I mean. <laughs> what you're describing you know? is not what a kid would uh, would describe. You're describing what the old school guys pretty much swear I by. I know. The yeah. Carlos Santana guys, you know. Yeah. But there's just something to that, you know, sound, you know, and... Uh, I mean, well, the modeling, they're just trying to copy it. And, you know, I mean, yeah. and trying to copy something, it's never going to be like it was, you know. It's just it, it basically impossible. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So but, somebody told me that a long time ago. Solid State Amps came out when I was pretty much uh-huh. starting out and it was a cool thing because now you don't have to have tubes because you have to replace the tubes and all that and, and then it was well they don't sound so great and then they came out with pedals that sounded like tubes that you could use with your solid state and then right. there it was if you want it to sound like a tube amp get a tube amp so. right <laughs> you spent the money on all that other stuff yeah, that was a big know, breakthrough there <laughs> now I have all these <laughs> pedals and junk cluttered up the place yeah I actually heard uh, I think Steve Vai, when he he did an interview right after the NAMM show here uh, into you know uh, last week, and um, he was saying you know that um, about modeling and all that stuff, and he says he never uses it on recordings, you know, because uh, he just doesn't like doesn't really care for the sound as much. Um, he's he's always a you know 
a fan of you know tube amps and all all the all the stuff that he's used in the past so um but um uh, so you know it's hard to say if it's good or bad it's just you know i guess whatever sound you're looking for what what you're, what you're going for yeah perfect. and budget I, budgets i'm sure important too <laughs> yeah because with the with with the modeling you can you can you can record a lot at home and and, and slide into the studio and stuff like that that's you know it saves on money um of course unless you have a, a big room at your house no neighbors <laughs> yeah so. yeah oh i wish i had a money tree every time i go into the yeah. music store guitar center is the big one that i go to around here and i've got to have that i want uh-huh. that and i need that i better get that and yeah it's in and i walk out <laughs> i walk out with some strings and a pick or something you know right yeah <laughs> low budget bob sure. here so so you taught what was that like do do, uh, people expect to be able to play a lot of stuff really fast or i don't know it's uh you were a student yourself and probably still are in your mind you know but uh, what was that like teaching yeah yeah i was always i always took lessons my life whole my my whole life you know um i i don't know i just i like going to lessons i like learning i like um you know, I actually like looking at a piece of music, and, and you know, to me, that's it's sort of a piece of art. Um, so I always enjoyed studying music and, and everything. So I, I wanted to teach it. So I started teaching when I was in high school um, to make extra money. And um, you know, I taught for you know, over a decade. All you know, uh, high school with my twenties and everything. And that's you know, I made a pretty decent living at it. Um, and, but, you know, as time goes on, you start to get burned out, you know, or, you know, uh, as music shifts and all that stuff, you know, and people want to learn different things. And, um, but majority of the people wanted to come in, you know, as a hobby and, uh, just kind of wanted to play songs that they knew or, you know, play songs for, for church or for their garage band or something like that. And, and, uh, you know, which, you know, was majority of my lessons, um, but then you had the few that wanted to go into music school and, and kind of make a career out of it. And of course those were, you know, you know, more, you know, I guess, I don't know, for me, it was, was more challenging and more, more, uh, more, I guess more fun too, you know, cause, uh, got to dive into a little bit more deeper stuff than, than playing the new Metallica song or, or, uh, whatever it was at the time. <laughs> So it's but, uh, it's it, cool when you're learning from your yeah. students. They put you in a position where you have to advance too. That's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You always have to be up on everything. And I mean, and when you're teaching, you're you're constantly playing too. You know I mean, um, so you have to watch not to get burned out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 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 uh, yeah. You 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 know it's it's great to have that one on one contact with them and and uh, you know see the ones I, I've had I have had students you know contact me back you know uh, you know a decade later and say hey man appreciate this and check out my band they're doing this or doing that and so i mean you know it, it feels good to know that you you help someone achieve their goal that's got to be fulfilling uh, yeah that's cool if we go over the youtube there's another one with words actually that's called redemption's cry you know that one has a vocal track on it that's a little bit more of a, has a spiritual bent to it but um, it's definitely, uh, I think some of the reviews said it was, you know, sounds like a medieval sonnet or something like that. And, and uh, so it's, it's interesting to see what people think of it. It's, it definitely has a very 
haunting sound and feel to it. has a, has a powerful message, but um, but the, there's a lot of guitar and a lot of a lot of uh, sustaining and and ebo tricks that I was using in that. And it came out it came out nice, you know, not so much flamenco, but the chord progression had some flamenco style to it. You know, um, that was definitely in Phrygian mode. So that's what I was going to ask. Uh, Must be in the, some strange mode or something to get that medieval feel. Yeah, it's that Phrygian thing. And uh, so, though I didn't use the nylon string on that song, I um, you know, kind of kept to the chord progression of the Phrygian mode. So, yeah, Redemption's Cry.
fascinating really? yeah it's it's oh, refreshing thanks. to hear sometimes <laughs> with people music stops at a certain era and time and everything after that is not good music anymore and uh, right <laughs> so it's it's cool to hear what you're doing yeah i, I you know i i really wanted to you know, I, uh, I don't know. It, something in me was, you know, it almost <laughs> felt like the the trade was dying. <laughs> That's where and, I was uh, going. I'm glad you know, said it because I don't want to. I don't want to sound like my dad again. You know. Yeah. Some, yeah. Uh, it seems and, like uh, things went to electronic dance music and a whole lot of uh, sampling and a whole lot of just robot music. I call it. Yeah, and. and like I said, there's a lot of great players out there now and, and a lot of shredding going on. And um, I just, you know, my wife's a singer and she's the one who sang on the, on the, on the song. But, uh, you know, I, every time I wrote a song, if, if I'd play her the melody and if, if the test was if she could sing it the day after that melody back to me, then I knew I had something. If oh. she could not remember it, I usually just tossed it. That's because um, I wanted I wanted the music to be for people. I didn't want it to just be for guitar players. I wanted it to be for like you know, for for a broader audience. You know, so I really wanted the melody to kind of stand out. So you wanted to connect with people, and the litmus test is if you can remember the melody, it's a good one. I like that. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's simple equation well I could talk guitars right. all day with you but yeah <laughs> Brady it's, no, I appreciate this it's been a pleasure and I wish you the best yeah you're a youngster thank you sir <laughs> Got, uh, but I appreciate yeah thank you for having me on
listening to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. We're all just trying to make the next day a bit better.